Hey guys, welcome everyone to the Canadian Perspective, your source for leftist political news. Hell yeah. I'm your horse. Ho- I'm your horse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your host, Cole Rader, and I am Derek Westra. That's right. Also, as well. co host. Yeah, I'm just as important. And we got plenty of stories for you guys today. Lots of stories. Yeah. Too many. It's quite a few, okay. actually. We promise we won't we talk. five. We won't talk about Bolivia for 30 minutes this time. Yeah, well, that was a fun conversation, though. I enjoyed it. That was. Okay. <laughs> so we got we got to talk about Rogers. We got a lot of buying things. That's today. right. That's good. It's always good. Rogers is buying the hell out of Shaw and consolidating this market even more. Oh, yeah. Well, you already know our opinion on MTS. Right. Bought out. You guys like your cell phone no. bills nice and expensive? Well, they're going to go up. Yeah. Hmm. Mm, yep. Delicious. And then also it. we got... We got uh, conservatives rejecting adding climate change to policy agenda. Yeah. They rejected adding that to their policy agenda. Nice. Nice. Because they deny climate. That's right. They don't believe in the atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, we got NDP promise to eliminate student loan debt, which is very important, even though it's kind of a trash proposal, but like, it's better than nothing. We'll go over the specifics, I guess. Yeah, we'll we'll mention um, some other things briefly. We got uh, Sydney, Australia, or the lower regions of Australia, bottom right corners. Bottom right corner, that that area. 180,000 people are forced to evacuate because they're getting flooded hardcore. By what we know as climate change. Climate change induced extreme weather is believed to be the cause of this. And also we got some Canadian premier approval numbers, some interesting stuff. So that's what we got on the agenda today. Yeah, and uh, sit back and enjoy. Off the top, we should probably say this. Remember guys to download the podcast and yes. follow us on the Spotify the or socials. whatever whatever podcast service you're listening to us on make sure to follow our instagram or twitter our facebook our linkedin our uh, patreon our porn hub our <laughs> p hub we also got our only fans by the way that's right yeah we only do exclusive content why would you say that derek why would you fucking say that it's not a good luck <laughs> just a little announcement off the top there's a stock by the name of amc as you may know, that's a theater company. And there are some machinations going on behind the scenes of the same fellows who brought you the good old GameStop squeeze. And gave it the good squeeze. Their crosshairs are set on AMC. <clears throat> and I'm telling you guys right now, get in while it's low. Well, we're not giving you financial advice, but... Uh, you cannot you. hold us liable for any losses you incur. This is not a guarantee that you will make money. We're just, I'm just suggesting that you invest and help us out and get the squeeze moving. Okay? Derek, get off your phone. Okay. Three minutes. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty, so our first story. The Rogers-Shaw acquisition. Rogers is purchasing Shaw. This is not a merger. This, this is, is a purchase. This is a violent it's takeover. Like- <laughs> <laughs> Invasion of, of Shaw. So what's going on is Rogers is purchasing Shaw for $26 billion. Mm, delicious. That's lots right. Of money. Mm, lots of consolidation. Wow. So that's moving. That's moving us now from what, what was it known as before is the big four of telecommunications in Canada is now being moved down to the big three. Now we've got 
Bell MTS as number one, or just Bell, because MTS. Well, MTS is, is only in Manitoba. Right, Bell so that's MTS, just a tiny. And they're going to they're going to get rid of that uh, MTS, the fucking little the little add-on name. Yeah. yeah, there. So and then you got Down if this line. acquisition is approved, Rogers would be number two, and then Telus would be number three. So then we like only have three. <laughs> Phone companies. The majority of the market would be owned wow. by three phone companies. Wow. The true meaning of an oligopoly. This is extremely bad. This is horrible. This, this is, is horrible. Awful. This is now, disgusting. They like to come out and say flowery rhetoric. In, it's going to create some new jobs. Yeah, if you go right? onto Roger's website, they have an, their own article that they made for it where they wow. post all these. <laughs> not like, biased at all. Not biased <laughs> at all. Just all these bullet points about how it'll be beneficial, you know? Oh, their transaction includes making 3,000 net new jobs, Bullshit. but doesn't mention... <laughs> so get this. Transaction includes 3,000 net new jobs, a proposed regional headquarters in Calgary, but there's an unknown impact on existing jobs and customers. Yeah, because they don't want to tell you the impact that it's going to create. So when a company absorbs another company, what they're doing is they're getting rid of competition. That's, That's right. All they're doing. Also, they don't need to give those workers of that uh, the old company, the company that was purchased, a job anymore because they already have people to do that job. Now they have to have a few more people because they have a few more customers now. Yeah. However, most people are going to lose their fucking job that work for Shaw at the moment. Right. What they're happens? All going is to lose their job. They usually do what's called trimming the fat. Yeah. Right. They trim the fat of the company they just acquired. You don't need two HR divisions. No. Right. You don't need two payroll divisions. No. Right? So things like that. Administrative bureaucracy will also get cut too. Yeah. And well, a lot they, of bottom line the, workers too. All the, the higher ups in Shaw are gone, which isn't the worst thing. Mm -hmm. but Except the Shaw family will be a part of the board of directors on Rogers. Okay. They're so being included in that. There's a couple people. They, they usually like what they did with or what Bell did with MTS is the first thing they did the first week, cut the executives out. They walked them out the door. Damn. That's what they did. Cold-hearted. The executives came into work. They were met with security. What? Yeah. No way. Yeah. That's actually what happened? Yeah. God damn. They were met with security and walked That's out. pretty cold-hearted. Um, so, <laughs> brutal, eh? That's pretty That's fucking, fucking brutal. brutal. And, well, I mean, they're executives, so fuck them anyways, but... <laughs> they can find other jobs elsewhere. The real people that are hurt are the um, lower-end workers here, right? That's so savage, and you know what? That's the type of thing you don't hear about when they buy them, right? When they have to have everything approved, the savagery that occurs yeah. in the business world, especially when you, you're looking at these companies that are totally, totally trying to maximize their profit. They don't care about the human impact. No, so, they don't. It's, it's business. Right. It's just business, bro. And I thought this was kind of funny, this whole includes 3,000 net new jobs, but unknown impact on existing jobs. So how can you say it's net new? Yeah, no. It's net 3,000. They're lying. You don't know the current impact on existing jobs. That's a flat out lie. That's not the meaning of net. Now, 3,000 new mm -hmm. unique jobs is different. Mm -hmm. However, you're, laying, you're going to lay off mm. like 90% of existing company, right? Mm. That's why Bell has done so many layoffs since uh since they bought mts wave after wave after wave Just, they went through uh mm. nine waves i think of layoffs they're just getting rid of people jesus christ get this <clears throat> the top three telecom operators control 89.2 percent of the market that's, that's insane gross. man 
It's gross. It's gross. So the reason why I mention that is because last March last year, exactly a year ago, Justin Trudeau <clears throat> ordered those top three telecom operators to cut prices on their mid-range wireless services plans by 25% within two years or face regulatory action. I don't know if they've actually done that. Okay, so Bell MTS has now changed their, I like, this is just what I know, but Bell MTS has changed their uh, contract to, um, so it's separate from buying a phone. So right now when you buy it or you get a phone, you pay for the phone within the contract. However, when the two years are up mm -hmm. and you're still paying for the same contract, you're still paying extra for that phone. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. So now they separated it. So now in two years, when your contract is up, you stop paying for the phone okay. monthly. And then so your phone costs 50 bucks a month and then your plan costs 60 bucks a month. So technically and then you that's start a, doing $60 uh, a month <clears throat> after that. So that's it's two years in. It's a sneaky way of saying, oh, we did lower it. Yeah. Mid-range that might That might be a part of it, but that's not lowering. That's just, yeah. that's actually a little bit more fair. That's a good thing. Just do the regulatory action now. Yeah. Say fuck, just do it. Don't say or implement face it, it. Just do it. Implement it into law first. Like, Don't threaten it. I understand the whole thing. Like you better do this within two years or we'll do the regulatory. No, you can make them do it now via regulatory action. It's very we easy. We have that. We have the, these commissions for it. Especially if you have the power to do so. Right. Like if the uh, liberals wanted to do this, the NDP will be right on board. A hundred percent, right? Of course they would. hundred percent. They could pass it right now. But it's, but it's whatever the liberals are on board with. Yeah. NDP, of course, are going to be on board with of course. doing um, regulation on these major companies, but you know, whatever the liberals want to do, right? Yeah, but I also want to point out that the conservatives <laughs> talk about, uh, you know, free market and uh, competition being good and all these, uh, you want uh, strong markets and shit like that. This is what capitalism is at the essence. It's once capitalism is able to um, expand over the course of years, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the companies that are created at first are very competitive then they start buying each other up until it becomes an oligarchy. Mm. And then either it becomes a monopoly or runs as a monopoly. Right. And I think that's referred to as crony capitalism. Yes. Eventually. So yeah, the whole idea of capitalism of having absolute competition, right? You have these different companies vying for the consumer. Yeah. Eventually, the logical conclusion is that one company is better. And succeeds. And then eventually that company buys out those the other companies. And then you only have one company you can buy from. And at that point, that company doesn't have to care about providing the best service to, to the consumer at that no, point. Because there's, no, there's very little to no competition against them. So they can just screw them over. That's the logical conclusion of the capitalist equation. Yeah, that's what it eventually gets to. And we're seeing that in this um, telecom in industry, right? Right. So also... Rogers said it would not raise wireless prices. Bullshit. <laughs> especially for Freedom Mobile customers, which is a the Ontario branch. It's like an Ontario telecom service that they purchased not okay. too long ago. And they said they wouldn't raise it for at least three years after the closure of the deal. So you mentioned they tagged on, we won't raise it until after three years of the deal. So we will raise it. Yeah. Yeah. What about Just not right away. Oh, yeah. They're and raising. You know, they're always going to raise it because once you get uh, the less competition, the higher you can raise the prices, right? Because mm -hmm. now the other the other two companies are going to be like, yeah, I could raise my prices too. Yeah, they don't you have know? to really communicate directly. They know that they're both in it together. It. 
They're all in it together, yeah. and they're waiting for one to break the ice and get the negative pub- publicity so they can follow suit. Yes. Just like how in the video game industry, Sony <clears throat> announced that games for the PlayStation 5 would be increasing from $60 USD, which was the common price. Uh, understood price yeah. for video games, to be raised to $70 USD. And they were the first uh, first-party company to announce that they would be doing that and now after that it's almost guaranteed that everyone else Everybody will now else raise will. it up to 70 dollars you know that's what the current i mean grows. okay video games make sense though because there are a lot more stuff going into them now yeah and a lot more time and a lot more effort so i mm-hmm. understand that that's a little bit different this is a service that is inelastic Oh, yeah. You have to buy mm. it. You have to mm. have a phone. It's or a lot at different. least society says I you was just have using that as an example to show what happens when you have an oligopoly. Yeah. And then one company is the icebreaker that brings forth a new policy and they get the bad publicity, but then everyone else follows. Yeah. That's what I was just trying to say. So that's that that part is true. That part is true. And you know what is very annoying? We have agencies like the Competition Bureau and the CRTC. And politicians always say we want more we want more competition in telecom, right? Yeah. They always say that. But then they approve they this do shit. dick all. The CRTC just sits there and lets shit happen. They're just like, oh, you want to eh, sure. Right? Sure. Might as well, you it's know. It's ridiculous. They don't do anything. They're a fucking useless organization. Right? Rogers buying Fido, Shaw buying Wind, Bell buying MTS. They let it all happen. Where the fuck was the competition bureau then? No, it was nowhere. And these things are inelastic uh, markets, right? So you have to pay for them. Right. You have to pay for them. By that, by inelastic, what we're referring to is from our economics uh, education that we got from college. Products with elastic prices mean that when you change the price, it affects how many units of that product are sold. Yeah. How many people purchase the product, right? Like... When you have things that go on sale at a supermarket or something, then everybody buys them, right? That's an example of an elastic price, right? Inelastic pricing for a product is a product that has to be bought no matter what. So changing the price of the product doesn't necessarily change the demand the, the demand for it it's a supply and demand thing right right so for example the price of gas gasoline yeah that's an inelastic price yeah the you price have of, to pay it right. it doesn't matter you can complain about it but it doesn't fucking matter right. your water bill your phone bill yeah those are rent. all rent yes of course right so if you if you can't pay for these things you can't live a normal a standard life in a society like what we live in right you know that's what we're referring to so so this is trash Right, and so it has to be approved. Now, something I also want to point out is there's a hidden thing that they could include in this new deal the government could say they have to do. To allow the merger could involve the government requiring that the big providers allow mobile virtual network operators to lease access to their cell phone networks. And I'm not entirely sure what a uh, MVNO is. What, can you say that again? A mobile virtual network operator. I think what that means is that leasing out their cell phone networks and shit to like other providers instead of them just hoarding it, hoarding their infrastructure to themselves. Oh, so they'll just allow other companies to uh, rent, like basically. And then the government will force them to have to lease them out. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. And over this specific issue, Telus was very pissed off and they threatened that the company would cut cut 5,000 jobs and $1 billion in spending if that was imposed by the government, that they had to have MVNOs. 
But this might be a different story if Rogers and Shaw are forced to do it by the government. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then Telus might be forced to have to do that. Well, they should. The more competition, the better in these sorts of markets. We talked about like a socialized telecom company, right? Right. We talked about that in the past episode about a month ago, I think. And the government has talked about how that would actually help everything, almost fix everything, all the problems that we have. Yeah, there's a study that was done by Statistics Canada. Yeah, something like that. I forget. I think that's the main one. And it showed that the cost of building infrastructure would be cheaper and plans would go down. The efficiency of the network would increase. And it would um, provide better service overall to Canadians. Right. But now, they're, they're not going to do that. Now, when we they say also com- said they weren't going to I do that. I also want to point out, when we say competition, we mean in the capitalistic market, you want competition. Yeah. When you have a government-introduced company, yeah. you might say, oh, that's a monopoly. That's not competition. Well, the difference is, the reason why we want competition is so that way consumers have more control. They have more choice and control over what's going on in the market. Yeah. So that way they get a better plan and get a better deal. If the government comes in, theoretically, the government is supposed to bend to our will. Yeah. Right? It's a democracy after all. It's supposed so to be. Supposed, <laughs> they're supposed to be. They're supposed to, you know, answer to us. So we have some control if the company is a crown corporation or something. Yes. Well, the crown corporation will not, they will not be looking for a profit. There will be no profit margin. Right. They have to get the, rid of that. The public treasury is their capital bottom line yeah exactly so when you get rid of the profit margin prices go down immediately so when you have a social option a government run option Mm. not even not even making it legal for these other companies to exist a public option yeah just having a public option um it will force more competition because that they will create the cheapest service Mm -hmm. and probably the best service and then the other the other companies will also have to either die or they'll have to adapt and figure out a cheaper way to provide the service. Right, right. Or a more efficient way to provide the service, which ultimately leads to innovation. Mm -hmm. So things like this, having having that public option would actually make your phone service better. (laughs) Yeah. Even if you don't buy into it. Because it'll force these companies to now innovate rather than just stick with the super expensive model that they have right now because it provides the most amount of uh, profit for them. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of what we're talking about. There should be more competition if we don't have a public option. Arguments like this, I feel like, are really good to talk to conservatives about to maybe change their ways because we're using we're using pretty market. Uh, we're using the terminology, right? The business lingo. I think we've covered the story long enough. All right. So we anyways, can, we can move on to the conservatives rejecting uh, climate change policy. That's right. So on March twentieth, the conservatives had their conservative party convention which I'm sure followed all of the coronavirus social distancing rules. Oh, yeah. Sure it did. Anyways. Oh, yeah. So they rejected adding the climate change is real provision to their policy agenda. So the delegates, the delegates voted down this green-friendly policy by a margin of 54% to 46 That is close-ish. It's close, but it, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. It doesn't matter if it's not going to be in the agenda. And it also doesn't even, if it even was in the agenda, it doesn't mean they're going to fight for it. Right. It's just a baseline support. Yeah. Kind of being like, hey, we rhetoric. aren't against climate change uh, right. policies. The text itself included things like, quote, climate change is real. They are willing to act. And 
the policy proposal also included a call to support, quote, innovation in green technologies so that Canada can become a world-class leader in the emerging industry. This is such a conservative argument, too. You want your, like, this is a little bit more of a nationalistic argument, but you want your country to come up with these technologies so it can patent it out to other countries. And be at the forefront of innovation. Exactly. And then you get a higher political stance in the world. GDP. Yeah. Higher GDP, you get more political... um, Larger exports... More political influence within the global community, right? That's right. So like in the UN and shit like that. So you think they would support it? Yeah, it just makes sense overall, especially in the conservative, like nationalistic sense. And the the Quebec conservative who proposed this said, quote, Canadian businesses classified as highly polluting need to take more responsibility and reduce their GHG emissions. Greenhouse gases. Yes, So the breakdown on the delegate support, the delegates from the Atlantic provinces and Quebec were largely in support. So that's like all the maritime provinces, right? Quebec and them. Whereas all the other provinces were against. All the other provinces also have oil as a main or one of the main exports. Manitoba? Yeah, we have a lot of oil too. We do? Do we yeah. actually? It's uh, more west. Drill? It's more closer to, uh, yeah, we have a little bit. Oh. They they drill it closer to Saskatchewan, uh, like Brandon area, you know? Yeah. Okay. We have a little bit uh, because of the prairies, you know? Yeah. We also have other stuff like mining is a big uh, industry in Manitoba. Thompson. Right? Up in Thompson. With Thompson's Vail. A mine. Vail Mining Company. Yeah, we have, we do asbestos as well here. Stuff like that, which also contribute to the GHG emissions. Mm. But yeah, basically, for example... I I mean, that's my uh, explanation of why. (laughs) I I don't know for sure. So if you look at the breakdown, that does have some... But you would think that BC, which is largely against the whole pipelines going through their province... Yeah. And in many of these cases, they would side yes, but it was very slim. There was It was 52% voted no to the 48% that said yes. Yes. So, Um, So also... This is also only the conservatives voting, right? Oh, yeah. No, this is the conservative party. Just the conservative party yeah. voting. Not These are the delegates overall, who are conservative. Everybody. Yeah, no, that's not how it works. Okay. But the conservatives in Saskatchewan, 73% were against and 69% were opposed all the territories, right? And 62% were opposed in Alberta and 58% were opposed in Ontario. So this is interesting after Aaron Toole during his speech said that if the conservatives are serious about winning and beating Justin Trudeau, they must embrace new ideas, for example. And he himself is in favor of putting climate change in the policy agenda, saying, quote, we cannot ignore the reality of climate change and that the debate is over. So their own leader is in support of putting climate change stuff in the agenda. Now, yes, rhetoric, rhetoric... is but, different than action. Yes. And if he got in power, I do not believe that they would do anything significant. Maybe no. some window dressing, but that's it. But it is very odd that their leadership is it's, in favor of this position, yeah. and yet they still voted well, no. This, so this is just a conservative party, conservatives across Canada and what they believe. Aaron O'Toole also has to appeal to the liberals and stuff like that to uh, drain support from them. So that might be a reason why he's uh, well, saying these things, know. right? I don't know if he's... Well, he's trying to say he wants to win. That's what he's saying. He wants to yeah. win against the liberals. And well, yeah, so to, he has to drain some drain some support from them because right. almost everybody hates the Trudeau voters. at the moment, right? The swing voters. Yeah. 
So that's what I think that's what he's trying to do. It doesn't mean he's actually going to do it. I think this is more of a campaign strategy. Yeah. To pull voters over. That's what that's what I think is happening here. And uh, we know that I don't I don't believe the conservatives are going to do da- jack shit about this. Yeah, I don't think they'll do anything if they actually had power. No. But O'Toole's election was a bit of a middle ground between the progressive conservatives, which was Peter McKay, who during the conservative leadership election garnered the highest percentage. He was in second place. I mean, highest percentage other than Aaron O'Toole. The dude came in second place is what I'm saying. Okay? Peter McKay came in second place behind Aaron O'Toole and everybody else, the two other people got Dickie McGee's axe for votes. Yeah, okay? so it was the, between the two of them and Aaron O'Toole kind of squeezed by. Yeah, and they had to go through uh, two rounds of voting. Yeah. No, they got to go three rounds of voting. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my. Three rounds of voting. Oh, me, oh, my. <laughs> and so Aaron O'Toole was kind of like trying to be the, the middle ground between the a- Andrew Shear types, right? Oh, okay. And the progressive conservative Peter McKay types. Okay. The dudes who were like, okay, we should have been in support of gay marriage way back in the day. We should have fucking... A little bit more of the libertarian argument. Yes. Yeah, more on the social issues, maybe yeah. a little bit more easing on stuff, right? Yeah. So they're just like, I don't give a fuck what you do. Do whatever you want. Just conservative policies, cut taxes for the rich and shit like that. Yeah, just do that stuff. And then, you know. Which, I mean, isn't that much better, but at least they're for Mm -hmm. gay marriage. (laughs) Right. That should be, I mean, that should be just the standard. It should be, but. But, you know. That's not the way. Conservatives be conservatives, I guess. I mean, that's really all we got. It's all we got for that. Conservatives being a disappointment. And, I mean, they're conservatives. What else are we going to fucking say? Yeah. I'm not sure if. What's the name of the People's Party guy? Oh, fucking uh, Bernier or whatever. Well, no one's even thought about him for a year. Maxime Bernier. That's it, yes. And yeah. the People's Party failure. Fucking disgusting. Is that still... Are they going to still try? They have no... I want them to. Just it, just to meme them. Just to meme them into out of existence? Yeah. If, if they get a seat, I'll cry. But, like, they didn't even get a seat last time around. I mean, that's the thing. Even though they're shitty... And they're further right wing. They a little bit of support. No candidate was elected. There's still a party, I think. But if they did get elected, it would split the right wing vote, which is a massive problem in Canadian politics is that we have the liberals who are centrist, but they market themselves as being left wing and which is a problem. But then we have the NDP, who are the true left-wing party, and the Greens, who are also a true left-wing party. We got the leftist vote is being split between NDP, the Greens, and then some misled people are voting for the Liberals. Yeah. Right? Whereas the Conservatives, I mean, back before 2003, it was the Conservative Alliance and also the Progressive Conservatives, right? Yeah. They were splitting it two ways. But then after that, they consolidated to one conservative party, so, one right-wing yeah. party. And now if we see a split, they can split the vote. Now, that's also a dangerous thinking because, well, what if the, the far right-wing party takes over and then that's a problem? But in the electoral strategy, having a right-wing party that splits the vote is good. Yeah, it means that the the leader of the country will not be a conservative. It'll probably be Trudeau again. Um, right. If if that happens, I mean but, that's not ideal, but it's better than having Aaron O'Toole as the leader of Canada because right. he's a trash person. It mm. would be nice to see Jake Meat Singh as 
leader. That would be wonderful. That'd and actually, Jagmi Singh is we're going to be talking about him right away. Yeah, so uh, he's he's pulling out the big guns at the moment, talking about eliminating student loan debt, even though he's not really eliminating student loan debt. <laughs> well, the specifics. <laughs> are we'll get little, into the specifics. The devil yeah. is in the details when yeah. it comes to this one. But so uh, the NDP Jagmi Singh uh, came out and he was just like, "Yo, guys." Let's like help students out because they're struggling because they don't have a job and they have to pay $10,000 a year to go to school. Right. Right. They just Which graduated is, into Corona. And now they just graduated into Corona and they're fucked. So what he's proposing is they cancel up to $20,000 in federal student loan debt per student. Mm-hmm. Not overall, per student. <laughs> they offer new graduates a five-year repayment break so they wouldn't have to pay uh, the loans back. Uh, within that first five years, mm-hmm. eliminate student debt interest payments for good. So banks, I guess, won't be making money off those uh, interest payments. Yeah. So they won't be making money off the loans. You just right? pay off principal. Yeah. Which and is very nice. Very is, nice. Which is good because you shouldn't be making money off that. Right. Right. Place a monetarium on student loan payments during a the moratorium. Pan- moratorium, sorry, during the pandemic, which mm-hmm. basically means that they don't have to pay the student loans during the pandemic because the pandemic is fucking right. every, yeah, everything up. They're like Just like how there's a moratorium or there was for yeah. rent. Yeah. There's also this for student loans. There should be one. Well, there's not one for student loans at the moment. That actually, there was one up until September and then they started back up in October, mm. right? Student loan payments, res- oh yeah, I put that down. <laughs> the federal government uh, claims mm. that they're talking about these issues, like the liberals. That's what we'll talk about a lot. As of shit. We, I was just about to say, as they always do, yeah. the liberals, they talk about a lot of shit. Yeah, they go like, hmm, there's an issue. Not much That's action. Nice issue. I mean, these people are really affected. Huh. Huh. You know That's what? We'll have uh, yo, yo, Statistics Canada, could you uh do a do a little um do a little research on that for us? Yeah. Oh, great, thanks. We'll look at it in another five years and uh review the you know, the research there and uh, check it out. See see what we can come up with, you know, perhaps. And maybe. then 10 years later. 10 years crickets. later. <laughs> yeah, the conservatives <laughs> come in and wipe out the program. How come you never pick up my calls? How come yeah. you never answer my emails? <laughs> oh, well, you know, it's just things, things change, you know. It's, uh, it's just you Canada know? said it would be cheaper. Yeah. Oh, but uh, the country isn't supporting it. But you know what? We I'm have to like stay focused. really tired. I just don't want to write a belt. But tonight, the country you know? has to stay focused. You know, it's not the current main issues. You yeah. Know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> we went on a little improv there. I don't give a fuck. That was good. Robin Williams over here. <laughs> I am. <laughs> okay. So let's get back into this. Okay. I got it. Got that. <laughs> okay. So specifically, this is exactly what's going down. So they're proposing after uh, five years of the Head Start period, uh, graduates with an annual household income of $60,000 or less will be eligible. Uh, for the two thousand uh, dollar debt twenty thousand twenty thousand dollar debt reduction. So actually, just back up. The annual household income of sixty k or less. So that would mean I'm sure if you're living with your parents, you won't be getting dick. No, you would have to be renting with maybe some roommates. Then perhaps you would be eligible for this. Yes, that's the only situation. Or if you're living, if you have a single parent and they are working like a low wage job. Right, Lower and you guys are job. poor as fuck. Yeah. Which is horrible. Yeah. So Nobody should uh, live like, that way. But I mean, I wouldn't have got this. Uh, I wouldn't have got this reduction. 
Right. So it, it eliminates up to $20,000 of student loan debt. A reduction to that amount will be for households in between $60,000 and $100,000. Oh, oh, no, it was, it was the amount less. of reduction. So like the $20,000 debt reduction, I mean, 60K or less, that amount of reduction would be less depending on your household earnings from 60K to 100K. It's a linear scale where the more yeah. money you're... The more money you make over uh, $60,000, the less you'll get be for gift. And uh, about $100,000 of annual household income will be basically phased out at right. then. So you'll have to be paying the whole thing. So right. this is not universal. No, this is hardcore means testing. Yeah. This is super hardcore means yeah. tested. Yeah. Unbelievable. But then you also have to look at, you know, there is a certain point where you go, okay, I understand this is kind of what we're talking about. We don't have an unlimited amount of funds. No, and you have but to be able still, to fit it. We we still are able to afford universal education. We're still able to afford that. Plus, since right. this is federally and not provincially, mm -hmm. uh, the federal government can just print off more money because well, of modern um, monetary theory, right? Yeah, but also, I just want to point this out. When you look at currencies that are controlled by central banks, throughout history, a lot of central cur currencies fail because they become extremely volatile. You know, for example, mm -hmm. and it's not due to the government of Venezuela's fault. It's largely to do with the sanctions on them, but their currency is extremely volatile. Yeah. It falls in half. So what's happening is people are buying bread with cryptocurrencies <laughs> because it's so easy to... Once it's, more, you, it's more stable. It's more uh, secure. Right. Even though compared to Canada's currency, it's, it's not. unstable, yeah. but compared to those places, right? And then he mentions that, okay, well, the reason why this usually happens... You know, if you look at uh, throughout history, um, what was it? Uh, federally controlled currencies, they usually only last like 10 years, like a decade. And then they fail. They flunk. In the Europe, you're looking at Europe, like post-World yeah, War One, yeah. post-World War Two. Well, people That's didn't really happens. understand it as much. There's, it's different. Uh, money's been around since like the 1500s. I though. know, but people were changing uh, how money was, uh, what money was based on, right? Right, because gold before it was based on fiat. gold. And then it went uh, to fiat or whatever. Um, mm. It went to oil, to petrol dollar, and now it's not really backed by anything. Well, technically, it's still fiat. Well, it's, it's still not, fiat. It's not really backed by anything. Effectively, it's not, right? Well, bank, fiat isn't backed by anything. Yeah. That's what that means, right? Yeah. It's so, a, according to what I determined. But it's also based upon um, supply and demand. That, Same way a share that, price is. That is true. Which is why the petrodollar exists, because people need to use but USD to buy oil. there's reasons why the U.S. government can fund trillions of dollars a day into the stock market and not face any inflation. Right, but what I'm right? saying that's, is that... That's still able. This uh, universal education um, for Canadians mm -hmm. is nowhere near enough money. I'm, no, I'm saying I want that to be like, true. Yeah. Like, I want that to be true. I want us just to be able to, like, fund all the good shit. I want us to be able to do that. Yeah. And it used to be like, oh, yeah, I want we can just do that but then if you look at the history it's like oh but then we do do that and then sometimes the inflation does kick our ass well the thing is that's different that's different this is nowhere near enough money to do that okay the u.s is able to fund trillions of dollars like we wouldn't be able to do what the u.s, no, the US is, doing. is doing it but i'm saying has we canada ever printed money in order to to solve an issue have we ever done that i i don't think so but i don't think we even need to do that here Either. You think we have enough room in our budget? Well, moving some shit around, yeah. Well, yeah, moving some shit around. Right? I haven't looked at it exactly, so I couldn't say. You can, you, you can also raise, uh, like... Capital gains rate? Capital gains, stuff the like that. The tax rate? Yeah. Capital gains rate? When you transfer money, you add a tax rate? Yeah, looking at investing in stocks, which I've been doing, Yeah. 
you know, tax-free savings account, man. People use that shit to invest. Of course. And then they don't, they have to pay like nothing, nothing on taxes for money that they got not from working. Yeah. Whereas you get taxed more on money from your hard work when it comes to money that you get from doing your, your funny money investments. Yeah. You don't get taxed nearly as much, which no. I don't think is correct because you're sitting on your ass and a lot of rich people, their money is making money. And that doesn't seem fair. No, it doesn't. Right? That's just but also like the, the mint here can print off like a certain amount of money too and it wouldn't affect inflation. Hopefully. Up to a certain point. But also we want to add on, I don't think we mentioned this was that the liberals promised during their campaign that it would change the student debt policy so payments wouldn't have to be made until graduates make over 35 grand in annual income, which is very yeah. nice. Did they actually do that? No, they didn't. Okay. They didn't. Of course they didn't because they like talking about issues but not doing anything about the issues. Son of a bitches. Justin Trudeau talks a lot. He does a lot of talking. He's just like, oh, yeah, we're talking about it. You He's know? a talker. He's a talker. We, we, we talk. You we know? should uh, do an update on the bills that are being introduced in the we, house. I, I, I promise you listeners that we will do that next week for a segment. All right. All right? It's a big promise. All right, that's a promise. Can Call we me. It? Well, hopefully we can keep we'll it. But it's document. our podcast, so if we don't, fuck you guys. But <laughs> <laughs> Shit, man. Jesus Christ. I mean, I, I also said been... that I was going to go through the uh, what it means to be a fascist this week, and I didn't. Oh yeah, we just didn't. We just didn't do we that. Just did, didn't do. That. Okay. Well, so, shit. We'll do that next week, maybe. That's a maybe. Okay. Anyways, so <laughs> let's talk about Canadian premier approval. So basically, the Angus Reid Institute, which is polling, they did a poll on the premier approval for March 2021, and something very interesting is that the number one premier with the highest approval rating is the only NDP premier. It's kind of like uh, left-wing people. Uh, everybody just likes them. Way better. Yeah, just like, gee. Now, yeah. I tell you what, though. If Selinger, if this is 2016 and Selinger was in this bucket, <laughs> I do not think he no, would have been number one. Probably no. not. No, he dropped the ball. But Dewar probably would have been up there. Yep. Number one or number two. Yeah. Anyways, that's Man. not the current. So basically, Horgan, the BC premier... Um, NDP. Yeah, he has 66% approval, followed by the Quebec, basically their conservative party. It's not called the conservative party of Quebec. No, it's some French shit, but... Uh. Yes. Legality is 62%, followed by Mo, the Saskatchewan. Which, uh, what party is he from? The Saskatchewan party. Which is? We were talking Basi about this earlier. Yeah, we talked about this earlier because it's very interesting. So basically what happened in Saskatchewan was the NDP dominated Saskatchewan provincial politics like for, such a, for such a lengthy period of time. What oh, happened yeah. was the traditional conservative and liberal parties of that province basically turned to each other and said, all right, listen, bro, there's not, we ain't, we ain't going to win this shit anytime soon. And they combined forces. They coalesced into the Saskatchewan party. Right now, that proves one of the long-held theories that liberals or centrists, or basically liberals in Canada, yeah. they'd rather lose or become conservative than win with a progressive. Yeah. So there's a meme out there that says when uh, you scratch a liberal, a conservative bleeds. Usually, also says a fascist bleeds. But you know, that's a little bit. That's a little bit. A little um, bit far. A little bit uh, radical. <laughs> Um, but like the, the general idea behind that is kind of true. Like kind of true. Cause we what see on a, on a federal scale, the conservatives and liberals are at each other's throats. Yeah. Right? All the time. But it's all political theater at the end of the day. Yeah. They agree with each other more so on policy proposals than, than they would like to admit. Yeah. So you see Justin Trudeau just talking 
and talking about the issues. Lots of rhetoric. Lots of rhetoric being like, I'm super progressive. I think we should do this. I think we should do that. Especially during the campaign. During the campaign, especially. And it's just kind of disgusting that he doesn't follow through on anything. Oh, no, that's what the Liberal Party does. We know this since yeah. fucking 70s, man. So the, the conservatives are basically just outright right wing on everything. Well, they are conservative. They're conservative. <laughs> That's how Socially they brand themselves. and uh, economically. Yeah. The liberals are conservative, but they brand themselves as progressive. They're centrist, then, center-right economic policies, but leftist when it comes to uh, social issues. Yeah. Liberal on the grand scheme of things is a conservative ideology. Yeah. Um, just it's, overall. It's rooted in conservatism, the uh, history of the ideology itself. But yeah. n- names and titles... They, they don't always mean anything. Political parties, they don't translate Nazis well. Nazis call themselves socialists. National that was, socialism. That right wasn't now. quite accurate. So I wouldn't say the Liberal Party is necessarily a right-wing party. No, I wouldn't say it's 100% right-wing, but the, the idea behind liberalism is... But yes, right-wing. like, like I'm saying, calling the Democratic Party liberals. The ideology. The, the, the ideology is conservative. The ideology and the history of that ideology, it was rooted in conservatism. Yeah. I'm just saying, so the Liberal Party of Canada, though, is like the, the quote-unquote centrist party that wins because they keep on running, promoting themselves as a leftist party, when in reality, when they get in power, they do center-to-center-right things. Yeah. And they sometimes throw the bone to the left, especially for social issues just and gender-based. social issues. Yes. Really. Like, they're like, hey, we should not hate trans people. It's like, wow, dude. Wow. Oh, we're going to have 50% so... of our cabinet is going to be female and 50% oh. male. Ooh. Wow. Oh, okay. shit. You know who else was, was a female? Um, Janine Annas. <laughs> but but like, yeah. she was a fascist, but she was a woman. I was going to say Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher as well. <laughs> she was female. What did she do for women's issues? Dickie McGee's act. Dick all. What did she do for the country, for the United Kingdom? Fucking Reaganomics. Yeah. Cut taxes for the rich and then cut social programs for the poor, welfare programs. Yeah. So, and who's the best uh, politician in the States right now? Bernie, Bernie Sanders. Sanders, who's an old white guy, which I understand. I understand kind of the whole thing about the old white men running the country. But we should honestly be looking at the issues itself and the uh, results of what uh, policies that they're pushing for. Of course, that should be the number one That should be one number thing. one. Mm-hmm. Now, if there's an old white guy and a young black woman that have the exact same policies, I understand the identity politics there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you do want a little bit more representation. You have a little bit of different uh, upbringing. Yeah, the minorities Not deserve, a little bit, a very different upbringing. The minorities deserve representation. Yes, they significantly. do. I'm not saying that that doesn't affect anything. But uh, first and foremost should always be policy, mm-hmm. not gender. Right, that's or right. minorities. Gender or race or sexuality or any of those things. No, that's, that's more irrelevant. It shouldn't even be a factor. In an ideal world, no one should give a fuck. That's right, nobody should. Unfortunately, we do give a fuck, so we have to fight for those rights. Because <laughs> other people are discriminated against them, therefore we have to fight back by pushing for representation of those discriminated against communities. Right? Yeah. But anyway, so something I want to point out with the premier thing. Our premier of Manitoba... Brian Pallister, conservative. Guess where he lands? Second last. 36% approval rating. He's a trash guy. So, understandably, did an absolute garbage job handling the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, he did. He fucked uh, Manitobans over. 
You fucked Manitoban's um, over when it came to, especially, it just looks so bad that he cut a funding for medical programs. <laughs> oh, yeah. And right. And then it just so, so turns out what, yeah. what's going to happen? A pandemic? Boom. Boom. Pandemic <laughs> happens. Oh, oh surprise shit. Pikachu face. Surprise <laughs> Pikachu face is right. Right? The fucking guy. We also talked about how he kind of uh, is looking like he wants to privatize hydro. Right. Uh, so last that, week. The whole Auditor General investigation of mental hydro and whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he keeps denying, denying, oh, we're not looking at uh, it privatizing doesn't fucking hydro. Matter we're not what looking he at says. privatizing it. No. His what, rhetoric is bullshit. I'm sure. Yeah. I don't fucking believe him for a second. Neither do I. But anyways, just something interesting I wanted to point out, Pallister. And Nova sucks. Scotia's last at 31%. Right. Rankin, who's Rankin. a liberal. What's his first name? Ian? 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 There's three vowels in a row. I don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah, it's I-A-I-N. That's how you spell his first name. I don't know how the fuck to pronounce that. Maybe that's why he has such a low approval rating. They don't know what the hell is... How do you pronounce his first name? Oh, okay. Here we go. Ian can be can be spelled I-A-N or I-A-I-N. Is the name of Scottish Gaelic origin. Okay, that makes sense for Nova Scotia. Right. Well, we looked at his picture. Remember that dude was super white as hell? Yeah, he looks he looks Irish. He has fucking red hair, man. He's dead last. Mm-hmm. Somehow Pallister beat him by five points, but we all know what these guys are doing, right? Uh, yes, Australia. Not doing very good. There's yeah. so many people that are uh, had to be evacuated, like 180,000 or something like that, right? Hold on, I think I fucked up that number. Did you fuck up the number? I think I fucked up. It was 18,000, not 180,000. What the fuck was I okay, doing? Okay, that, that's... Okay, 18,000. Okay, we'll that cut that out. Me. Okay. We'll, we'll cut that out. All right, guys, so basically, 18,000 people were forced to evacuate from New South Wales and parts of Sydney. Insane amount of flooding. And there was this one image, we were watching this video by France 24, and it showed, you know, it was all... It wasn't too crazy. And then it showed this residential area, and then it's just like, oh, just destroyed. Yeah, right? those the houses water. are fucked. Um, what's going right. to happen to those people? That's a lot of people. That's a lot of fucking people, man. 18,000 people. And like, okay, where so are you going to put these people? What are you going to do for them? Put them in camps? Like, I mean, the, the pandemic is basically over in Australia. Luckily, but, you know, you got to find a luckily. place for these people. But if this happens in like Canada... Let's say Nova Scotia goes under. Mm. Where are you going to displace those people? Right? You got climate refugees, basically. Yeah. And I, then also you got all the people in the Middle East when the deserts become larger. All the people in Africa when the Sahara grows and overtakes cities. Well, basically the heat at the equator in some of those regions will become so hot that it's almost inhabitable for people to survive in those locations so think about it india saudi arabia a lot of the places in the middle east all these people are massive place massive population centers massive population centers and significant amount of poor population who exist on agriculture which will be wiped out by climate change so how are these people going to survive where are they going to go how will they be able to afford they won't it'll be a mass uh extinction event is ultimately, like, rich people are going to be able to just move, right? Oh, yeah. They're going to do what Ted Cruz did when uh, Texas lost power. Just fucking bail. The classic Ben Shapiro argument is just, just, just move. If you're poor, just, just move. move. Well, if you live by a, a flooding area, we'll just move, dumbass. Yeah. What else are you going to do? Yeah. If your house gets flooded, well, just move. Just sell it. Yeah. Just sell your flooded out house. It's no problem. 
Yeah. What's the issue here? Hypothetically. (laughs) Liberals just don't understand that when you buy a house, you can sell it. You know that, right? Not that I'm saying climate change is real. No, no. Not that I'm saying climate change is real. No, we all know the liberals are are forcing that science on us. It's not actually true. Also, fuck black people. (laughs) (laughs) Also, black people, as we know, not real either. I've never seen or talked to a black person in my life. I watched a review on his book, and inside his book, a white cop kills an eight-year-old black kid, and he portrays him as a hero. What? Yeah, straight up. Because <laughs> the kid had, a gun, like, a toy gun. So, Ben Shapiro's novel, fiction novel, mm-hmm. he was writing fiction and writing screenplays before he became a political punk. Well, you have to be writing right? fiction if you're a fucking uh, no one liked anarcho-capitalist. It. You have to be writing fiction. Of, of course. <laughs> no one liked it. Like, he tried to become, like, a... Ayn Rand type? No, he tried to become a, uh, like, a Hollywood elite, like, writer in, like, L.A. and shit, and it didn't work, so he chose to just become a conservative political pundit, right? And so he has a novel out where it goes from a bunch of uh, characters, and they're all, all his ideology, you can tell, is extremely politically influenced by his ideology. That's the exact same thing as, like, uh, Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. Yeah. She does the same thing. She uses fiction as a way of portraying her ideological views yeah. and each character portrays whatever that yeah. is and then it shows all the follies of whatever they are against and then exactly. that's how it works but it's fucking fiction so the good characters in this story is the veteran who's a chad <laughs> and has a submissive wife and <laughs> the uh, white cop that kills the black kid because he had a gun but he had to do it to protect uh because he's the victim because he had to protect the neighbors and shit like that and it apparently is extremely poorly written too. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it is. <laughs> and it didn't do well. I'm sure it didn't. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Anyways, uh Anyways, Australia. Um, Australia. <laughs> what were we talking about? So basically Australia has been getting a meter of rain since Thursday. Close to a meter Holy of rain. Holy fuck. Yep, since Thursday in some areas. Holy fuck. And increasing rainfall of two to four inches is expected across the Sydney region over the next 24 to 36 hours. You see, this is why we need to address climate change. Yeah, so what we're saying is it's expected that this was one of the pointing factors of this insane flood and all this significant shit is because, significant rainfall, is because of climate change. It's a significant reason why it's happening. Like last year, they just got, like, it was all on fire, right? Or was that two years ago? No, it, it was, was it on was fire, year. yeah, in 2019 right. and whatnot. And even though Australia gets, like, extreme weather occasionally, uh, is, climate change has been much. making... Climate this is a bit much, right? has been making it significantly worse. So this is what uh, the climate experts back in the day were predicting. They're just like, hey, with the raising temperatures, it's not going to mean, like, everybody's just going to be warmer. It's going to mean more volatile weather conditions. Right. And more violent weather. And we're not just pulling this out of our ass and saying, oh, climate change has caused it. Obviously, no. The State of the Climate 2020 report from Australia's Bureau of Meteorology and Commonwealth Scientific industrial research organization what the fuck is this name (laughs) what the fuck is this name it's some fucking bureaucracy the state of the climate 2010 report from australia's bureau of meteorology that's it we're just calling it that said heavy rainfall events in the country are becoming more intense and climate change is influencing the quote frequency magnitude and impacts end quote of such extreme weather yeah so they are directly saying that climate change is affecting their climate and their weather patterns in australia 
They're long-term. It makes sense. It makes sense as climate change or yeah, climate change, like the temperature of the climate increases over time, the Mm -hmm. more extreme weather is going to increase, right? Yeah. That's the correlation. Now you can't really say that one event is caused by climate change or not, but the collective, you can't. Right. The collective long-term changes to the weather patterns. And that's why we need to do something now. Otherwise there's going to be billions of people that are going to be misplaced because of uh, climate change. And they're either going to die or we're going to have to take them in and somehow deal with that. And now you're talking about all those people that hate fucking immigrants. Right. And you saw how we dealt with the whole Syria uh, situation. Yeah, exactly. Lots of xenophobia. So no one's coming over to the Americas. Our uh, system can't handle that. The the immigration system can't handle that. Right. So Uh, where are they going to go? They're probably going to go to Europe. But right. then they can't handle that either, so they're going to stop taking that many people, people in. Yeah, that many people. What are they going to do? Are they going to go to China? Oh, shit. Are they going Fuck, to go to over there? China already has a Are they going to go people. to Russia? Probably not going to go to Russia. No one's going to go to Russia. Like, what's going to happen? They're going to die. A lot of people are going to die. The direct result of not dealing with climate change now, or 10 years ago, or 20 years ago, means that... T- Billions of people die. I mean, uh, you know, the sun is setting. The sun is setting on the planet. It's right almost now. already set. Yes, it's you know never. It's never too late to do something. No, right. But the earlier it is, because some people say, "Oh, well, it'll be too late," and then, "Oh, well, fuck it, we'll just give up." It's like, no, you still should always, always try, always try, even if it seems like it's too late. You should always do it. But my belief in politicians addressing the situation has has waned extremely yeah and it's not just our nation we're talking about many nations that are polluters all across sorry the world and we can't influence them is there is there one country that has said we're going to uh actually fight climate change bolivia bolivia has i think bolivia did it are they are they getting rid of like actually making plans to get rid of all of it like all the uh, greenhouse gases and go to green energy and shit. Because if Bolivia can do it, anyone can do it. <laughs> I don't know. I remember one of the South American countries proposed to do that. I think it was okay. Bolivia. Okay. That, said, well, that makes sense because they got the socialist guy in now. Well, and, and it's indigenous, and it's indigenous, indigenous uh, yeah. leadership of the country, which has uh, historically always been in support, tending to the climate and yeah. nature itself. Yeah. So... I mean, if you're asking me, I, I'm not an expert on this. And I want to get my, uh, one of my friends who uh, knows a lot about this onto the podcast so we can talk about it. That would be nice. Him. Hopefully, once COVID is a little bit more relaxed and we are able mm-hmm. to have people around us again mm-hmm. to talk about what actually is happening. But my solution, in my mind, is that we try to immediately stop uh, doing, uh, using so much oil. Yes, or at least or making provisions, drilling for oil, drilling for oil, or all that we try to get off of it. And now you have to make the U.S. do that as well, right? Uh, because you gotta get the whole world to do it, not just the U.S. I shouldn't say that. I like to say the, we, the U.S. should do it first because Canada always seems to follow suit after they do things. Yeah, but the United uh, States is such a there nightmare. is such a shit it's not going to happen right? in the United so, States. It has to be in a, a different country. It has and, to be. I think the European Union actually should. Um, and be like, hey, this is our exact plan. This is exactly what we're going to do. We're going to get rid of, uh, we're going to ban corporations from 
using oil products. Right. We're or going like that. to... We're in a phase of the sale of new automobiles, unless if they're electrical. Yeah. And then also we're going to invest heavily in green technology and whatnot. We're going to start building infrastructure projects, largely in areas where like for solar and wind and whatnot, and attach yeah. those to the grid, especially in areas that rely heavily on like coal fire power plants and whatnot to get those off of the grid. And then we're going to start uh, selling that electricity to maybe make up the deficit of losing that oil production in our country, whatever country it might be. 100%. And then those would help significantly. And then also, when you're looking at 70% of all fossil fuel emissions are from only 100 companies are yeah. responsible yeah. for those. Not from consumers driving cars, but from those specific industries. So you have to look at those industries and say, is there anything you can do different? Yeah. What we have to do to change your system so that way you don't emit so much yeah. bullshit. Now, emitting some isn't actually bad. But emitting all of like so much is right. there's an equilibrium between the, what the uh, plants and stuff like that can like absorb and change into oxygen. Well, yeah. And there's also and been warnings from scientists recently that we're reaching the um, feedback loop where you see how there's a certain amount that the plants and trees, yeah. but we're going to reach a feedback loop where the climate gets to a point where, where it always gets worse and worse. It doesn't matter how much CO2 is put in it. Okay. It creates a feedback loop within itself where it gets hotter and hotter and hotter. Okay. So that's going to be dangerous. That's fucked up. Yeah, well... I mean, I just don't want Earth to look like Venus in, in a thousand years. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the problem. We're not even looking till the end of our lifetime. We're looking till the end of other generations. The The effects will definitely be felt at the end of our lifetime, though. Oh, my God. Gen yes. Zs, once we're like... 2050 know, around there? 2050, Shit's gonna get bad. 2070. Like, the world's going to be such a different place because mm, of the climate. Yeah. So, I, I think we got to immediately pull back on the uh, emissions and start... As, Stop deforest, deforestation. But here's the thing. Large forests like the Amazon and whatnot yeah. are in countries that we don't, we you can't influence. We Brazil, Bolsonaro, yeah. right, far right-wing yeah. government, they're chopping that bitch down. That's What we gonna do? Well, we have to impose- We can't do anything. The uh, United Nations was supposed to do a, a thing like that. And stuff it was like that. A, a name, but they came up with a name and shame system, which has no teeth. Of course, the UN doesn't do bullshit. The United Nations should have come up with a more strong proposal, but I think the United States was, has veto power, and they're preventing that from happening. Same so, with China. So we need to do something. We're fucking ourselves. Over. We're just fucking ourselves, and it's, it's really sad. So, it's really sad. Not a good note to end the podcast on. No, but have a good day. <laughs> you know? Be happy. Be optimistic. Have a good day. Do we have any positive news for the left? Do we have any good news uh, to end this fucking podcast? Kyle Kalinske and Chris Ball had a podcast. You can go listen to that after this. I don't know. I don't know. Biden fell down. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Biden fell down. <laughs> yeah, Biden fell down. There's something positive. Is that really positive? No, it's not positive. But still, it's kind of funny. Yeah. He's trying to go up the stairs and he, he stumbled a bit. Stumbled a bit. I mean, that's not good, but... <laughs> no, it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> it was funny. It's a meme. It's a memeable. Apparently, Hannity also uh, was vaping. He's vaping? He's vaping. <laughs> nice. Cardi or okay, Candace Owen blames Cardi B for destroying uh what is it? Destroying uh America. Oh fuck off. Of course Candace Owens would say that. Yeah, Candace Owens, the black woman who's also a white supremacist. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Of course it's going after other black women Basically. for being, for destroying America. Anyways, that's really I don't know, that's not positive either. <laughs> no, it's not. We have to just end it before shit gets worse. Yeah, oh, right. I'm sorry. Anyways. I'm sorry. Well, anyways, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. 
um, you know, you've reached it to the end. Yeah, you've reached to the end. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you're a little bit more informed on some of the more issues. Informed. Remember to uh, follow us, like I said. Of course, do all the bullshit that everybody tells you to do. You um, know, help us out if you enjoy it. Tell a friend. That's right. Um, the and, more um, lessons, the better. That's right. Spread spread the the word of socialism. And around, make sure you know. to listen to us an episode next week. So yes, otherwise we will be pretty sad. That's right. <laughs> We'll beat the shit out of you if you don't. No, we will not. We will not. Okay, all right. Anyways, (laughs) so that was the Canadian Perspective signing off.